You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. That is one thing with the Christian life is to... It's not all gumdrops and lollipops. God never promised it would be. You know, there's those crazy prosperity preachers out there that... There's just no biblical basis for that. You've got to ignore so much of Scripture to, to have that type of position. And um, we just thank that God is so thankful that God is so faithful through those storms that we go through. And He is that rock that we hold to. Thank you, Alyssa. That, that was beautiful. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing on tonight in the series of the body of Christ, just moving through this text one verse at a time, sometimes two verses, sometimes four, sometimes half a verse. But tonight we are going to be moving through, and um, I doubt we'll get through all of these. We'll probably just get through probably two of these verses, but I know next week we're actually going to get through a lot of verses. So I was working on next week's message today, and and we're going to be moving through probably 15 verses next week. So um, but tonight we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right. I hope you all have your Bibles and or are following along on your phone, on your Bible app. Just make sure to turn off your notifications so you are not distracted. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hey, it's the day and age in which we live. A lot of people follow along on their phones or on their tablets. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are going to be in verses 12 through verse 20. The Bible says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many if the foot shall say because i am not the hand i am not of the body and if, is it therefore not of the body and if the ear shall say because i am not an eye i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the bo- if the whole body were an eye were where were ah, where were the hearing and if the whole body were hearing where were the smelling But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Father, I pray that you will just bless this lesson tonight, bless this... um, the, the words, bless, bless your word as we uh, talk about what you have to teach us through your word about the body of Christ and that, that we will just continue to have a better rounded understanding of exactly what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And we just thank you for your grace and mercy in each and every one of our lives. Pray all these things in your holy precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you this. What do you feel right now? I want you to think about this and I want you to think about your own personal life. What would you what do you feel like is your purpose 
in life? What is, what is your purpose in life? A lot of us may have different answers to that. Uh, but what is your driving purpose in life? Why do you do what you do? What, what is behind, really, the driving force behind the actions that you take, the things that you do, the things that you purchase? What, why do you do what you do? What is your purpose in life? I think as we grow, uh, you know, specifically age-wise, I think at different seasons of our life, our purpose is probably different. Um, for example, I have a, uh, a six-month-old, or a seven-month-old, eight-month-old, right around there. <laughs> She's a baby. And <laughs> she has pretty much one purpose in life, and that's to eat and sleep and poop and eat and sleep and poop and eat and sleep and poop. And that's pretty much her only purpose in life right now, okay? And then I have little kids. And I would say, as I was thinking about this, I would say my kids have one purpose in life, and that is to have fun. They just want to have fun. I mean, look at the kids at our church, and they are always having fun. Kids always find a way to have fun. Um, everything's a game. They're always running around. Once we're done here, the adults will be sitting around talking and kids will be laughing and running through the church playing some type of game. I was actually just sitting up here uh, right before the service and my um, nephew Jason and Jenna come busting through the door and Jason falls onto the stage and crawls over and gives me a hug and Jenna comes up behind him and tackles him and goes, gotcha, you're it runs out the door, and Jason turns around and is running after her. Everything's a game. Kids are just all about having fun. Uh, and then as you get to be a teenager, I think like one of your big purposes as a teenager, like if you were to, it's, it's to just get done with school. I want to be done with school, right? That is the big thing as a teenager. It's just that big thing that you're going for, just be done with school. And all the teenagers say, amen to that. I wish we were done with school. And even though kids don't understand the significance of all the things that they are learning, they understand that they're learning these things. And even though they wish they weren't in school, and just like I used to wish that, but they don't understand how what they are doing right now in school is going to play into their future purpose. Parents do which is why they have parents that make them go to school and, and make them do their school, all right? Or else kids just wouldn't do it. So parents are there to help them along with their purpose. College, oh man, once you start hitting that college age, then you start to realize that you have to figure out what your purpose is going to be for the rest of your life. And that can be a stressful time for, for young people. Um, I always said, I think the two hardest transitions to make is when you go from being a little kid to being a teenager, because it's such an awkward transition, because it's like you still have little kid friends, but then you're expected to act like a teenager, and then going from a teenager to an adult. Those are the two hardest transitions to make, because you know, th then they have to start to decide, you know, like their mom and dad just aren't making all the decisions anymore. They gotta start making their own decisions. They're thinking about what am I good at? 
Uh, what, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I just remember being like, man, like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? That's a huge decision to make. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to college? All these huge decisions. And so, but they have to start finding that purpose for their lives. And then parents, I think if you were to boil it down, when you're a parent, you, your, your purpose is to raise your children to be able to be functioning adults. That's, that's really, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, fathers, one of their major purposes is to provide for their homes, provide for their families. But ultimately, it's to raise your kid to be functioning adults, right? We want our kids to be successful adults, and that's their whole life. You're training them to do that. That's really what you're doing. You're raising your kid to be able to function by themselves and function successfully. And then grandparents have one major purpose, and that is to give their grandkids all of the sugar that they can possibly give them and then send them home to torment their parents. It's, it's grandparents, it's payback time for all of the years that their children tormented them. So that's grandparents, one major purpose. We're going to torment our children through our grandchildren. What a blessing. You know, this, this wasn't the grandparents that did this. This was actually their aunt. But one, one time their aunt is sitting in church and she, their aunt, one of my daughter's aunts, has a bag of prunes. And so Allie was sitting next to him and the entire service, she's feeding Allie prunes. <laughs> now some of you know what happens when you eat too many prunes. That night, <laughs> it was like one o'clock in the morning, Allie, I hear Allie crying, um, and so I was like, I, I heard her before, Rachel, and that doesn't hardly ever happen, okay? I'm almost always, I think Rachel might have not been feeling well that night, so I happened to hear her. I walk into her room, and this woof of poop just hits my face and I'm like, oh. So for the next hour, I'm changing blankets. I mean, it's 1.30 in the morning. I have to, like, there's poop everywhere. All right, she dyed her pants, her blanket, her pillow. Oh, I'm giving my daughter a bath at 1.30 in the morning. And then my wife gets up and scares me. It absolutely scares me to death. And I turn around and, and she's just like, and then I was mad. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, it's just, that was a bad night. That was a really bad night. Uh, and that's, anyways, I don't even know how I got on that. Purpose. We all have to have purpose in our lives. And you know what's really sad? And it's something I hate. I, I just, I hate this. And it's to see people with no purpose in their lives. I just, it breaks my heart when I see that. Because as you know, life is short. Life is just so short. And to see people with no purpose and to just see them wasting their lives is just, it's heartbreaking. I just, I hate it. I hate seeing people waste their lives, aimlessly wandering through life. There's no real, real direction, no clear purpose that they have for their lives. And just kind of living, uh, maybe if they're an adult, just living paycheck to paycheck and you know what? If, we, if you are a child of God, this ought not to be so. Okay? If you're a child of God, it ought not to be so that you have no purpose 
in your life. And this passage will clearly see how being a member of the body of Christ, we have purpose in our lives. So let's look here and see what God's word has to say to us this evening. Uh, verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Okay, so we've been talking about the body of Christ a lot. Um, this is, tonight it's going to be really giving us the doctrinal foundation of doctrinally what the body of Christ means. Okay, um, so, so here Paul gives us once again the illustration of the body. Okay, so he says, for as the body is one, here he's talking about a physical body, for using this as an illustration for the church at Corinth. For as the body is one, we have one body, you and I have one body, and hath many members, so you and I, we have a body, we have a lot of members, fingers, toes, so on and so forth. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members, and all the members of that one body. So his point is, we have a body, it has many members, all of the members of our body make up our body. Okay, that's, that's for... For all intents and purposes, that's what he's saying. That's what he's trying to communicate, all right? The human body is one organism, all right? We are a functioning, living body. We, we never think of a person according to their individual, you know, parts of their body. We're not like, oh, yeah, him, he, he's, it's just, that's weird, okay? It doesn't make sense. That's, that's not how our brains function. That's never what we would do. Whenever we would talk about a person, we're talking about the whole of the person, their body, their mind, their soul, emotion, everything. We're talking, that's who they are, okay? Um, uh, they are one person. They are one being. A body is one life, and all the parts of the body form the body, enabling that body to function, okay? I know we, we, are, we all kind of get that. We understand that, but this is what he says. He says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, so also is Christ. Okay? So this is what he's saying. This is the way a body works. This is the way Christ works. As the body functions, so also is Christ. Okay? Jesus Christ is one organism, one functioning body, one person, one being, one life, the person of Jesus Christ. And yet, Jesus Christ, I want us to think about this. Actually, Jesus Christ here on earth yet has many members or parts of his body. However, despite the many members and parts and moving parts of Jesus' body, physical parts, his body still is one organic whole. Okay, The body of Christ. All the parts of his body actually give him form to enable him to do what he is to do. Jesus Christ is to do here on earth. The Members, the parts of his body, are what allow Jesus Christ to move and work throughout this world. All right? The point is this. The human body and the body of Christ picture what the Holy Spirit does at the time of salvation. Now, we're about to get into a little bit of doctrinal stuff tonight, and it figures we get the most tired night to really dive in, so we're going to be dropping some doctrine bombs tonight. So... Be ready, get those spidey senses up, 
Let's focus in and see what we are going to be talking tonight when it comes to the body of Christ. Okay, so it says here that the Holy Spirit baptizes believers into the body of Christ, that is, into Christ himself. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into the body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink of one Spirit. So, Tonight, we're really going to be unpacking that verse. It's really funny. It's like we were just at an ordination uh, for a pastor friend of mine. And um, the, my dad actually brought up the question to the guy that was being ordained. He said, What's the dif- do you, what do you feel is the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel those are different or are the same? <laughs> I remember when my dad asked that. And this poor guy, he's only like in his... Uh, you know, he's like in his late 20s. And I'm just like, I looked over at my dad and I'm like, good grief, who's going to know that? And it was so funny because he asked that. And even on the way home, I was like, dad, I want to even know that. Like, I, I, I would have no idea what you were talking about. And he's like, what? I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> and then literally the next day, it comes up in the passage that I'm studying. I was like, what are the odds? Like literally I studied this passage the next day where it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So anyways, I I thought it was funny. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about that and what it means. When we truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and we truly accept Jesus Christ and who he is and we accept him as our savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes us or immerses us into Christ himself, all right? This can be seen in three ways, all right? And I know this is, this is, this is deeper doctrinal things, so, so let's try to really, I'm just warning, let's try to gear in and understand this, okay? So when we accept Christ as our Savior, you know, we actually, we, we do that physical baptism, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit baptizes you and I into Christ, And that can be seen in three ways. Number one, the Holy Spirit immerses us, baptizes us into the death of Jesus Christ. And that is very significant, okay? So God actually counts us, you and I, if we accept Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, God considers us in Christ as in, in the body of Christ. So this is what I want you to think. When we talk about the body of Christ, I want us to think like an actual, like this is Christ. Christ is standing here, okay? And when we are in the body of Christ, we are literally, we kind of get, we are now in Christ. We are part of Jesus Christ. So when we accept Christ, we have been baptized into his death. This is so significant because God sees us as having already died in Christ, having already died just like Jesus Christ died on the cross. And this is significant because if you understand the gospel, the penalty for sin is death. It's death and hell, okay? When Jesus Christ came down and he died on the cross and he took that punishment for us, when we accept Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior and we are then in the body of Christ, when Christ sees us, when God sees us, he sees us as already having paid the price for the penalty of sin because Christ did it and we are in Christ. I hope this is making sense. This is very significant, all right? Since Jesus died the death and the penalty for death that we deserved, we never have to die. That's the point. We don't have to die because Christ did that for us and we are now in Christ. So whatever Christ has done, 
God looks at it as though we did it. It's awesome. This is just such an awesome uh, doctrine and principle to understand. We have been justified in Christ. You know, I even think about baptism, you know, and, and as you are baptized, or, or let's say it's the ocean and, and you go down into the ocean, you are now in the, everything about the ocean. You're surrounded by the water, everything. You are part of the ocean. You're in the ocean. And I know this isn't a perfect example, but this is what I thought of as I was thinking through it. And if somebody were like flying over in a plane, they wouldn't look down and say, oh, look, there's Daniel. No, they would say, oh, there's the ocean, right? Because you're in the ocean. Now you're part of the ocean. You're totally surrounded and consumed and in the ocean. That's the way it is with Christ. So the Holy Spirit immerses us into the death of Christ, all right, which is awesome. So now we don't have to die because Christ did that for us. He then immerses, he also, not then, but also immerses us into the resurrection of Christ. All right? So God sees us as having already been raised from the dead in Jesus Christ. So just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead into newness of life, so we are now raised from our, our old ways, the sin that we were in. We then died. Technically, we, we didn't pay the penalty. Christ did it, but God looks at us as though we already paid the price for our sin. And now we are alive in Christ to start living a new life in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, uh, we have new life in Christ because we are in Christ. Not only do we have new life, but we have eternal life. Why do we have eternal life? Because Jesus Christ has eternal life. Jesus Christ will live forever in heaven. Therefore, since we are in Christ and part of Christ, we will live for heaven. All of the benefits we have as Christians, we have because that's what Christ gets and we are in Christ. We are part of him. I hope this is making sense. This is really significant. We are literally part of the body of Jesus Christ. It's not just metaphorical. According to scriptures, we are literally part of the body of Jesus Christ. This is an incredible thought to just really think through and unpack. The Holy Spirit, so it immerses us into the death of Christ. It immerses us into the resurrection of Christ. And then it, the Holy Spirit also immerses us into the purpose of Jesus Christ. What is Jesus Christ here to do? We are now part of Jesus Christ. Therefore, our whole purpose in life is the whole purpose Jesus Christ has in life for everything he wants to do is what we want to do. So the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then what Jesus Christ is there to do on the earth, that is now who we are. That is our purpose in life. So, I mean, it's so fun, just such a small verse, so significant. And here's what I have to say. Well, about the purpose of Jesus Christ. Jesus sees us in the body of Christ, working out and carrying out the very purpose of his son here on earth. Okay, literally, we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. As we minister to the world, we are literally Jesus Christ ministering to the world. And I don't, I don't say that in the blasphemous way in any way, shape, or form, but literally, when you reach out and you share the gospel with people, Jesus, and I've said it before, Jesus Christ is sharing the gospel through you. When you, you know, I think about that part where Jesus says, you do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. It's just incredible just to, to be thinking about this. And this is, God has to see us as in Christ or as in the body of Christ in order to accept and approve us. He has to, because we cannot be accepted and approved before God in any other way than through Jesus Christ. Think about this. Um, there is one body, 
of Christ out there, okay? When God looks at the body of Christ, he sees Christ. Um, then God then accepts and approves us, no matter who we are, Jew, Gentile, bond, free, black, white, male, female, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter who we are, God approves us because we are in Jesus Christ. If we believe the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes us and baptizes us into the body of Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ, and then, and then here's the, the, the awesome thing, when, when we accept Jesus Christ, God does a miracle. He takes all of our sin and he puts it on Jesus, and he takes all of Jesus' holiness and righteousness and he puts it on us. So when God looks at us, we are justified and approved before him. All right, so, so let's, what does this mean? Let's draw some application here. I want to ask you that. Are you confident in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you confident in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Or is there something inside of you, some way, shape, or form, that feels like you're always trying to earn salvation? And I know this is something. There is a lot. I'm telling you, every false religion teaches a works-based salvation. Every false religion. And it is so clear from scriptures that there is nothing you can do to earn salvation. Um, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in Christ. Okay? And... It talks about through scripture that, you know, no man can take them out of my father's hand. Like once you're in, you're in, like you are in Christ. And there's nothing you can do to get there. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Literally, even like looking at this verse here, even faith to believe in Jesus Christ is a gift from God. Just, just the faith to be able to trust him is given to you by God. God reached out to us in our sin and he drew us unto himself. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up in the last day. Now we do believe that as God draws us to himself or is drawing an unbeliever to himself, we do believe that you can resist the grace of God. Okay? Um, we're not going to dive into that super deep because that's actually a really deep topic, but we believe that you can resist the grace of God, okay? There are those that they hear the gospel and they say, no, I'm, I'm rejecting the gospel. Uh, but we do believe that God draws men unto himself, that we cannot get saved unless the Father draws them unto himself. How awesome is that and how great of love does God have for us? He came down in our wickedness and sin. He died for us. Then in our wickedness and rebellion, we don't even want Christ. And he gives us that desire to want him and draws us unto himself. Then he gives us the faith to believe in him. Then once we do, we are then drawn into Christ. And everything, all the benefits, all those things of Christ, we now get for ourselves because we are part of the body of Christ. Just such an awesome awesome um, picture that is given, illustration, and to really understand the significance. Um, 
This is not salvation. You know, I'm just trying to think of some illustrations for salvation. This is not salvation. Salvation is not you were drowning in your sin and Jesus Christ, or let's say a man was drowning and another man throws him a lifeline to save him. That's not salvation. Salvation is literally you were drowning and another man jumps in and saves you at the sacrifice of his own life. That's salvation. Obviously not a perfect picture, but, you know, we need to understand the significance of that. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's what he's done for us. We were drowning in our own sin and wickedness, and if left there, we would have died. And you know what's crazy is we're sitting there, and we're, some people are drowning, and then Christ jumps in there, and they're like, no, get away from me. I want to stay here. It's like, whoa, what? How blinded by sin can you be? But we were all there at one time, weren't we? Jesus Christ, seeing our need, sacrificed himself and took our place. And now, out of love for what he has done for us, we now are part of the body of Christ, accomplishing the mission of going out and being part of the body of Christ, trying to help save other people that are drowning. Not actually save them, because only Christ does that. But God uses us to accomplish that mission. Sharing the gospel that Jesus has come to save all men. And, and you know what? Tonight, if you haven't done that and you reach out in faith, Christ will save you as well. Are you living tonight, just thinking through this, are you living as though you are part of the body of Christ? I mean, actually part of his body. Do you consider yourself as having been baptized into the mission of Jesus Christ? Your mission should be the mission of Jesus. Your purpose in life should be the purpose of Jesus Christ if you are in Christ. Your hopes, your dreams, your desires should be the hopes and dreams and desires of Jesus Christ. You are his hands, you are his feet, you are his eyes, you are his ears. And you know, everything we own belongs to Christ. Because we are, if you are in Christ, everything that you do and are is Christ. Does that make sense? It's almost an oxymoron to try to live our own lives while we are in Jesus Christ. No wonder there's so much confusion and, and turmoil and struggle there when you're trying to like, because once you're in Christ, you are, and it's almost like you're like, no, I don't want to be in Christ anymore. I want to be out of Christ and do my own thing. And it's like, and it's just, that's why there's so much, you know, all of that going on with somebody that's trying to rebel against God. And, th and that's why there's so much peace and joy that comes when you just surrender your life to being a part of who Christ is and being a part of his mission. Surrendering those things that you know Christ wouldn't want you to do. Giving up those things. Literally, you know, I was thinking about this. So when we give money to God, we are, let's say we give money to God, we are giving God's money to God. Literally. So when we give to missions, we're like, I'm giving to God, and I'm going to give God God's money. That's literally what we do, because everything we are and do is God's. And then let me just, let me ask you this, just curious, and this just popped into my head as I was studying, do you love to be around other Christians? We are all connected via the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all in Christ, in the body. You know, it seems, and even thinking through this, it seems strange, and it just seems 
unnatural when a Christian doesn't want to be around other Christians. It's a very unnatural thing. Um, that would be like hating different parts of your body, right? That'd be like, ah, oh, I just, I can't stand my hand. I just don't even want my hand, like, ugh, and my foot. They're so dumb. Like, I just can't stand being around. It just, it doesn't make sense. There's, it doesn't, there's no logic. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 through 30, it talks about this. No man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. Even so the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. It's unnatural not to love and take care of your own flesh. Obviously, most of our lives are taking care of ourselves, right? Uh, taking care, dressing ourselves up, feeding ourselves. That's a big part of mine. Uh, but it's unnatural for a Christian not to want to be around other Christians. It really is. We should love to be around the brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why we are given the gifts we are given is to minister to each other. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what brings us together. We were at Tia's funeral and there were some people there that, um, let's just say they uh, don't typically think fondly of my dad, <laughs> I guess is the only way I can really say it. And my dad said some of them, it's the first time they had ever sat underneath his preaching in more than 20 years for some just different reasons. And as I was talking to one of the individuals that had come, and um, I was just talking with them, hey, it's great to have you here. And you know what I said to him? I was like, isn't it great how Christ just brings us all together? We're, isn't it just great how the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is literally what I said to him, because I knew that he had sat underneath my dad's preaching for more than 20 years. Isn't it great how the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's just, it's just the great uniter and equalizer and um, you know when you think about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mission God has given us um, those silly uh, silly things that churches get in fights and arguments about when you're really on mission they, they seem really stupid don't they it's like wow we're fighting over this when God has given us the mission of reaching the world with the gospel and discipling and literally the church is there to minister to each other to help each other and to reach the world for christ and and i thought about it after i had talked to him and i was talking with my dad and i was, I was telling him how i had ran into him and and i thought you know all that stuff seems really silly especially when it was a funeral and you're thinking about the gravity of life and and how short our time here on earth is. And you're like, wow, we spent such a huge portion of our life fighting our own body when we should have been out there sharing the gospel and discipling people and loving each other and supporting each other. The body of Jesus Christ. Lastly, and I'm just going to touch on this, all right? Just going to touch on it, just for the sake of touching on it. But it says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. There's another powerful truth found in this verse, and this is it. It says we've been made to drink into one spirit. So not only are we into the body of Christ, here's Christ, and now I am in him doing all those things, 
but it literally says here, Christ is now in us. We have been made to drink. What happens when you drink something? It goes inside of you, right? It fills you. We have been made to drink into one spirit. Not only are we in Christ, but Christ is also in us. Jesus dwells within our hearts. And if you've ever heard that, like, yeah, Jesus came into my heart. You're like, where did they get stuff like that? Here's one of those passages. Jesus comes and indwells us. He fills us. Believers are not only immersed into the body of Christ, but the Holy Spirit is immersed into us as well. And here, here's the thing. God has never asked us to try to live this Christian life on our own. And I think we make that mistake a lot, trying to live this Christian life on our own. But he never, ever asked us. The things that he says throughout scriptures, the things, the commands, the mandates, all those things, he's never asking us to do it. He's asking us to allow Christ to do that through us. All right? Because if you're trying to live the Christian life on your own, you're just going to be frustrated because we're sinful, wicked humans. Okay? It's just, it goes against everything, the sinful nature that we have. We have to allow Christ to live through us. John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So we just need to allow Christ, who now lives on the inside of us, we have to give him permission to just live through us. Every morning we have our devotions. Literally what we are doing, we should be doing, is surrendering our day to Christ. Lord, Live this life through me. I can't. I'm foolish. I'm wicked. I'm dumb. I just know me. I, am, I have an addictive personality. I'm angry. I, I struggle with anger. All of these things. I need you to do this through me. Live this life I cannot live. What is your purpose in life? If you're a Christian, your driving purpose should be the purpose of Jesus Christ. To spread the gospel to fellowship and minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to develop relationships with people that are far from God for the purpose of bringing them into the body of Christ. We literally develop relationships with people that are unsaved for the purpose of bringing them into the body of Christ. that's, That's what we do. Every relationship you develop with an unsaved person should lead to holding their hand and bringing them along into the gospel. Of Jesus Christ serving your fellow brothers and sisters with the gifts and abilities that he has given us and raising our children to do the same and our motivation for all of this is love we don't do these things because you know remember what I talked about some people have that mindset of like I have to do this in order to be a Christian okay I have to do this like to get God's favor or whatever no our motivation and actually I don't even know if we're going to have time to get to it in the upcoming weeks, but the whole next chapter, he gives this entire chapter about the body of Christ. And the next chapter is actually known in the scriptures as the love chapter. And it talks and it's literally right after it. All right. This what, by the way, the Bible wasn't written in chapters. It was just written like as that was one letter. So naturally it's like what I'm talking about here. I'm saying it because of what I just said here. So he talks about the whole motivation for what we do is love. That is literally the whole next chapter. So we follow Christ out of love. We share the gospel out of love. We show the world what it means to follow Christ out of love. We sacrifice for God out of love. We spend time every morning getting to know God out of love for him. And we act out our love in the context of our local church. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. 
continue in my love. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.